All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuck, Adelics? What the fuck, Hets? How's it going? Are you all right? How's it, uh, how's it being, uh, bunkered, uh, self, uh, isolated, uh, sequestered by self, quarantined, nothing to do, locked down? How's it going? Are you all right? I just, I, man, I don't know. It, it got pretty scary pretty quick out here in California. I don't know where you are. Of course, we're a little late to the game in this country, but, you know, leave it to Americans. It takes a while for them to kind of negotiate. The negotiation between lizard brain and, and the ego can be kind of uh, rough going. You, you know, you get the information and a lizard brain wants to react properly and take the uh, constructive measures to protect oneself. But then depending where your ego lies, maybe you still want to go to that concert or you still want to go to that restaurant. Or you still want to go to that bar or you still want to believe that it's not real or that it couldn't happen to you. Ego, that kind that I'll tell you, man, that that conflict between ego and lizard brain is going to be the end of us. And I'm being fairly diplomatic about it i mean i'm the same way i'm the same way i mean come on our guest today is tandy newton from uh west world and uh she was in the movie uh, crash she's a very lovely person the new season of west world is on hbo sunday nights and on hbo streaming platforms but a lovely person and i was thrilled to talk to her but i do want to let you guys know uh, we did the interview shortly before the, uh, not, it was sort of at the beginning of it, uh, of the, the lockdown out here. I do want to tell you, you know, as always, uh, despite whatever we go through, given this is one of the few places where uh, people can still connect and listen and uh, take their minds off it, or at least uh, listen to other human beings being human, we're going to keep at it. We're not going to let you down. We will be here for you going through it with you as this unfolds but we're going to be here the same as always twice a week to uh to give you what you need it's definitely scary and i i think it's weird for me because i'm an anxious person that's full of dread anyways but but generally my dread does not the world's going to end dread or that I'm going to get sick dread, really. It's really day-to-day dread. But I've, I've run the gamut of complete existential paralysis and, and anxiety. I, I used to be a, just paralyzed by hypochondria. I used to be completely immersed in the type of dread of I was going to die, we were all going to die, but that's lessened, but my grooves are grooved. My uh, neuro channels, my neural canals... My neural pathways are cut uh, with the, the, uh, the sharp edge of anxiety all the way back from my front lobes to the back, all the way back, all the way from the ego to the lizard brain. I've got well-articulated neural pathways that uh, I can climb into anytime I want. Well-traveled. So with all this going down, there's something about the chaos and the panic and the impending doom of it all that uh, is sort of... Um, I feel okay. I feel like, all right, so now we all kind of understand, you know, what carved me out of the fucking clay to be who I am, and then we're all on the same page. Obviously, that's 
That's not true. Some people are worse off. But in terms of panic, there's something about things being a little chaotic and out of control and scary is when I get calm and I get clarity and I get relaxed and I get grounded. The belligerence of the people that insist on living their lives is uh, inability to think altruistically. It's a fairly selfish, childish mode of thinking that the right engages in most of the time, but some of us are guilty of it as well. The sort of like, yeah, it's not that bad. I bet you know, you don't die of it. Old people die. I'm not going to get no. It's the spread, man. It's the spread, and you know, quite honestly, they don't know. They don't know how it's going to affect people. They don't know how it's going to mutate. It's killing some younger folks in some places. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, the hope, the bit, the hope is, right? The hope is that it don't get that bad. And that somehow the precautions we're taking on a state-by-state level by responsible uh, state representatives as opposed to leadership at the top, it may work. It may hold it back. And if it does, then the belligerent will you know, cry foul and, and say, I told you and uh, you guys overreacted. It was all an assault on our freedom. So that's if the, in the best case scenario. If thousands and thousands and thousands don't get sick and thousands and thousands and thousands and don't don't die, those of us who were careful and reacted properly uh, will be called uh, the enemy for overreacting. But I guess that's a small price to pay if our fucking economic system and medical system and community systems hold up. Right? Right. What a time to be alive. You know, I, I was too slow on the toilet paper, but thankfully I had a dozen or so rolls. And it's only me and now, you know, Lynn's here too because uh, her production got shut down in Boston. So she flew back. Glow is put on hold. Everything's on hold. The comedy store is closed. This is where we're at. We don't know how long it's going to go on for. I don't know, man. I don't know. And, you know, if you're a compulsive eater, the risk is you're going to go through your two weeks of food in a couple of days. We'll see what happens this week, you know. I'll check in with the groceries. That's a weird thing. I, I compulsively go to grocery stores for one or two things when I need them because they're close. Not anymore. Not only, even if they're little, like I need some dry mustard and some peppercorns to pickle some beets. But I don't know what it's going to, I don't know what's going to happen this week. I don't know what's going to happen. I just hope people are doing the sort of uh, distancing trip just for everybody's sake. We don't know what's going to happen. Might as well take the precautions that are recommended by the people that know, as opposed to calling them uh, hacks or frauds or cucks. Let's listen to the scientists on this one. We've never been through a pandemic. Why not take the information from the people that understand this stuff because they studied it their whole fucking life, as opposed to you probably not listening to this show, who thinks they know everything just because. Because they don't want to change. They don't want to listen. They don't want to be inconvenienced. I fucking do what I want. I'm a child. So a lot of nice responses to the uh, special. And I appreciate it. A lot of people on Twitter, a lot of emails coming in. I appreciate it. I couldn't have timed it better. I didn't time it like this. I had nothing to do with it. 
tragic serendipity brought my special end times fun to the public uh, on on the weekend that seems like the end is upon us. And I'm glad it's providing some relief. But I had nothing. To, there was no way I could calculate that. And I, did, I had nothing to do with the creation of uh, the coronavirus. Yeah, the entire global tragedy was not some sort of you know, false flag for me to promote my special. Sorry, I wish it was. I wish it wasn't real. But it is real. It is real. So let's read an email. You got me fired and it changed my life. This is something I could not have anticipated. Usually I get the life-changing emails because of the podcast. Hey, Mark, just wanted to share a quick story. It was maybe 1995. I'd finished college in Indiana with no future, moved to Albuquerque on a whim, and got a job at mailboxes, etc. by the university. You came in one morning to send some package. I recognized you from Comedy Channel, and to my everlasting embarrassment, was a bit starstruck. Evidently, I undercharged you or overcharged you. Regardless, it got back to the boss, and she fired me. Having nothing else to do then, I answered an ad in the back of a magazine and wound up teaching English in Korea for the next two years, came back to the States, enlisted in the Army for four years, and now I'm a public librarian in Wisconsin. Just wanted to say thanks for getting me fired. It changed my life. Anyway, appreciate what you do and wanted you to know that your honesty about addiction and related troubles, though masked in comedy, makes a sincere difference in a whole lot of lives. Mine included. Stay strong and hoo-ha, Chris. Thanks, buddy. Uh, Glad to help out. Glad to have gotten you fired. Glad to help, help out. Yeah. Okay, what else we got? Ireland. Hello, Mark. Just listened to your interview with Don Gavin in which the Irishman needed your convincing to visit Ireland. I love that the country left such a large impression on you. Who doesn't love soft rain? I'm of Irish heritage, originally from North Jersey slash New York. Over the years, I connected deeply with many a Russian Jew or Eastern European cohort because of how we overlapped in humor and casual despair. Joyce and Tolstoy were doing their thing pretty much at the same time. And a quick word about Boston, a.k.a. the last bastion of old school American masculinity. There exists a double helix of fighty toughness and epigenetic pain which forms pure cinematic poetry manchester by the sea is the most recent example i agree with your observation about irish men being so much sweeter than irish american men my theory irish american men have had their donegal beaten out of them emasculated particularly in boston by the gentry who oppressed them for 800 years back in the motherland i can't imagine it was easy for you either making the rounds in new england as a young comic my parents are slowly dying on cape cod and every time i visit i'm struck by the deep suspicion new englanders have of anyone who doesn't subscribe to that cloistered catholic pathos best barbara and you barbara are a poet Thank you for that, Barbara. I appreciate that. This one is... um, (laughs) Oh, boy. All right. Honeymoon pandemic. Dig it. Already. I'm in. I like the title. Should be a movie. Hi, Mark. I hope this email finds you well. My wife and I, both Americans, were slash are honeymooning in Spain this past week, if you want to call it that. Mostly... 
We were just walking around increasingly deserted streets in ancient and beautiful locales, looking for restaurants that might welcome us, and clandestinely applying Purell after repeated hand washings. What I will say is that we argued a lot, and being the more well-traveled in our team, I tried to assure my beloved in chronological order that, one, the trip was a good idea, two, we weren't going to have to change it while we were here, three, we can just cut the trip short a bit, four, they're going to let us back in the country, five, home quarantine might be creatively productive for us. Huh. It was a crash course in marriage 101. In a possible crisis situation, a woman's intuition should not be diminished or ignored. Once I admitted my shortcomings, the tension eased, and we hunkered down last night where we were the only guests to watch End Times Fun. And I will say, we laughed our asses off. The special was everything we love about you, and it truly helped ease tension we have over our current travel situation and the symbolism of our trip, which we have dubbed Honey Pandemic. Anyway, just wanted to say thanks for bringing us together and providing some much-needed perspective and levity in a strange time. Much love, Keith and Lauren. Now, this came in on, I guess, Saturday night. I, I bet you they're stuck there. This is going to be a real test. Keith, Lauren, I, God, I hope, I hope your marriage survives your honeymoon. You know? Oh, man. So, Tandy... Newton is a real fan of this show and it was I didn't I didn't know that thoroughly until she came and we had a lovely conversation and she was uh, great I felt like we could have talked for a long time and she Tandy Newton sent me flowers a couple of days after we had the talk to say what a nice time she had and that it was a it was a great experience for her sent me flowers she sent me a beautiful bouquet of flowers lovely and this is me talking to Tandy Newton about a lot of stuff she is in uh the new season of Westworld she's been at, been in there since the beginning and the new season is uh on HBO Sunday nights and on HBO streaming platforms. And we talked about uh, a lot of stuff. This is me and Tandy Newton. There are shows where people sort of sit down with showrunners and they get like a, a, a like a seasonal arc. Like, what am I doing? Where am I going to be? What's happening? Mm. Not your experience. They like to keep things from us why because you you agree with that logic i i trust them uh-huh. i trust them yeah um because i like them uh-huh. as people yeah i don't trust anybody Everybody. else <laughs> you trust the west world people i trust those two people yeah our showrunners. do you want to wear cans on your head do people like to you're doing it so i'm gonna do it i do it because Ooh, i can hear I can myself really, and you can really, hear yourself I can hear myself slurp. Oh, mm. nice. That is going to drive some people crazy. There are certain people in the world that cannot take that. Can't take it. I like it, though. Yeah. Um, all right, so, but that script, that, that week-to-week thing, are you, so you get the script for Westworld like a week before? Oh, yeah. That's it? That's it. That's, <sighs> that's it. See, I think that that's why I, <laughs> I find it, or I have found it unsatisfying 
to act on television because that means like even if you have just a few scenes you've got a week to kind of put those scenes together only focus on those scenes kind of lock into your trip but it, it it's not it's not enough to live in it you know what i mean you're like visiting it yeah except mm. You don't know in life what you're going to be doing from one week to the next. So. I'm, I'm not, I don't know what's going to happen in five minutes. Exactly. <laughs> After I've drunk this coffee. I know. You really I, don't know. I have no idea where <laughs> this is going to go. I don't mind. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of why they keep things from us sometimes. Um, well, I, I, I think they don't want us to share information with each other, whether they don't, maybe they don't want to have to be tied right. to something. Yeah. I think that might be a thing like you don't want an actor being disappointed with what's coming up because they're not it's not fully done yet or they still got other revisions and shit yeah, I think it's or, mostly because they don't trust anybody not to dump the story out into the world maybe that's right I don't really know and it's it, know. it's just not that important to me to to find out like if if we were in a pattern where th- yeah you know I found out I was gonna you know like kill a child and <laughs> you know, know maim an old lady it's like you know yeah. what i just i i don't want he doesn't give you time to say no to say no or, oh okay. i don't want to do that right okay well there's right the, uh, but, well you would think they would ask you but you know but actually it it, feel, it's only in westworld where that might those two things could possibly no no no, no, no that well for me when as I, long as they're robots it doesn't when I matter find, right? oh, oh god <laughs> when i find that new stuff it's always great and i'm yeah I, I like it i didn't know that my I like it. that i almost tried to have sex with my daughter until the week before what that last uh the last scene of the second season i think of glow where where um justine reveals that she's my daughter that i didn't know i had like that, and, and that's she was, pretty fucked up it was pretty intense wow um but yeah, I mean, it didn't go that far. No, I mean, no. But, uh, but it was kind of jarring. But I didn't know that was going to happen until like the week before. So, and you as a character didn't know either. So exactly, that's I guess that's good. good. I understand that. But maybe we're, maybe we're coming around to it. Maybe right now. I guess. But I guess as an actor who's trying to learn how to act, who doesn't consider himself to be, you know, that great at it yet. <laughs> You're very you, good at it. Well, thank silly you. Man. But to put more work into getting to, to sort of really feel like I think like if they told me what's going to happen this whole season, that to, to know where I'm going to go, it would kind of give me some sort of broader I, I do know what you mean. I do know what you mean. Like, the, for example, Ken Loach, yeah. great director Ken Loach, he um, often doesn't tell the actors what what's coming up next the British guy yeah 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 and very often they're non-actors right so they respond as you know as you would completely sure, and right that's I don't know how I feel about I think Ken Loach is a genius his films are amazing but um if you're an actor yeah. doing it for a living you don't want that because you, you want to prepare I guess for me because I've spent so much of my life not preparing and winging it like most of what I do, stand up and stuff, all yeah. starts that way. And this, what we're really? doing right now, yeah, that you know, the idea that like I'd like to try to make some real choices, man. Yeah, you know? yeah. So give me some. Like I want to spend some time with yeah. the choices. Mind you, you do have a week, and I bet what a you, week's all right, What yeah. you do in a week is sure. is pretty good. But then I talk to people good. like Sam Rockwell, like right. I talk yeah. to Rockwell, and he's like, you know, when I'm going to do a movie, I read the script, the whole script, a hundred times. I'm like, holy shit, that's that's fucking that's crazy. It, I guess so. But that's what he needs to do. And he's good. He's really and good. And I don't know what's, what I need to do. No. What do you need to you do? You have to figure it out. I'm trying to. You. I think you're doing quite a good job. Well, thank you. I mean, it depends. After Glow, do you want to go and do other stuff? Well, I've been doing some movies here and there. 
Mm. I, I played Jerry Wexler in the Aretha Franklin movie. You did? With uh, Jennifer Hudson. I hear I did good. I never think I did good. But you did that beautiful thing. Um, uh, easy? You did with the, the Modern Love. Yeah, with, with, with uh, Melanie Linsky. Melanie Linsky, yeah. Oh, easy. shit. <sighs> Great. That was heavy. I get choked up when you bring it up. Oh, that was, she's amazing. She's man. great. And we had her for one day, man. Oh. So that cafe scene, oh. that had to fucking go, man. Yeah, and it did. Yeah. And you did great. We were in it, yeah. wide open. Yes, sir. Oof. You live here? No, I live in London. So what, oh, you're just here doing press? Yeah, but I'm in the middle of shooting a movie in Montana right now. Montana's pretty. It's Are you enjoying yeah. it out there? Yeah. I've what been, kind I've of movie been, are you shooting in Montana? Oh, God, it's so fucking good. Yeah? Um, Who's directing that? It's the first time, it's ah. his, his first feature. Mm. He's award-winning short movies, mm-hmm. a real student of cinema. Oh, yeah, good. Um, Independent has, has done it. Small movie? Yeah, big small movie, movie mm. very small. Yeah. Um, and it was a, I just finished Westworld and another movie back to back and I really needed to go home and just, just do nothing. And uh, I read the script yeah. and talked to him and, uh, and I, but I said no, I, cause I just thought this is so good. <laughs> that, no, lit, Richie, I thought this is so good yeah. that someone else is gonna, it's still going to be great yeah cause the material's so good. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't feel like, oh, they need me. Mm, um, mm. all right, right. Uh, and then I couldn't stop thinking about it for two weeks. I haven't had that experience for years. Uh, it's like, years. How does Montana factor into it? She's it's it's set in Montana. Okay, She's a, a wo- black woman in the snow with a dog and a gun. Really? It's like a, they call it a neo western. And okay. it's how is Montana? I hate the snow. Mm. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I I really do. You find no beauty in it. I, it looks beautiful, mm. but you know, underneath there's poo. There's, there's all kind. I just see what's, I know what's right, under right. there. What's frozen under there? Or not even frozen yeah, necessarily. Just sitting there. Just there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, sure. All kinds um, of filth. Filth. And it's yeah. fucking freezing. Yeah. And I don't like being cold. Uh-huh. I mean, there is so much going against this thing. Um, but is it, it sounds like one of those kind of like, you know, it's a character study. You're the, the movie, correct? Yes. Right. And it's dealing with issues around just, judging people at face value hate crimes racism subtle subtle themes which are so present in our culture right now you know what are we going to do and uh, well i'm this this is this is why i need to do this film yeah right you know because i just feel like it really 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 it articulates the dilemma really well yeah and helps you to see just the the, the, just the suicidal tendencies of, of, of humanity and how we're not willing to experience each other and and face up to ourselves and and just fear of the other and sure but also like that like you know I start to realize recently that there's this weird cocoon of entitlement and yes, and yes. Uh, and c- constantly which is fear of, of Enti- entitlement, entitlement is fear but also this idea that you know that your perception or what you think somebody is is what they are mm-hmm. and it's it, and it happens almost innately Instantly, yeah and and i think we all do it to a degree you, you know like i and i'm not talking of course we a, about do. race but like just with anybody i used to, i wrote this line i said most of who other people are is something we make up Oh yeah, what we project. Right. Of course it is. And it's very useful. Yeah. If you think of yourself in a little tribe and 
you know, having to fend for everything, all your your resources, uh-huh. protection, everything. Yeah. And you you need to be able to judge at face value. You need to make quick decisions. Well, are you talking about, we're de- are we dealing with wild animals? What well, we- yeah, wild animals. Okay. Uh, you know, like... But people are his- so much more complex. Historic- yes, but we've still got these li- uh, these yeah. lizard brains. Oh, yeah. That, you know, we're... Sure. And, and I don't think that we truly understand... You know our kind of archaic impulses, right? And they are sometimes. Archaic. I sometimes I don't feel like I know anybody, even people that I think I know, even the people I should know. Isn't that great though? It is great, and it, but, it, but it means you have to keep exploring. You can never assume, right? But 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 you're probably going to find something in there that's disappointing and aggravating. Like, yes. Like, well, yeah. That um, moment where you're like, "Oh, you're one of those people." Yeah. God damn it. Well, that's my theory about falling in love. Oh, which good. is you know that love at first sight thing. Mm. Is that you project, or, like, obviously it's got to be a physical, you know, that person, you, there's a chemistry that goes sure. on. And then you project yeah. everything that you hope yeah. that person yeah. couldn't all, could all, be. Everything that didn't come together for you as a child. <laughs> everything's need, there. Needs to, They're, everything's got to the, resolve They've itself. got the whole picture. Yeah. That first few mm-hmm. moments is wicked. Mm-hmm. And then as time goes on, yeah, just, you're going through the checklist mm-hmm. and either it matches up to what you hoped or maybe yeah. like 50-50 is pretty cool. I guess you know? so. I guess I, I hear you have to compromise. So Yes, you, <laughs> that's yeah, my you understanding. have to, darling, you have to grow. I guess what you I hear. You have to grow. You have to take the hit. You do. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So much learning. So uh, much learning. So, but I mean, how many times have you had that experience? You've been married a while, right? 21 years. That's a long time. Yeah, it happened once in the box. He just ticks them all. Wow, to 21 years of ticking boxes. Okay, look, okay. He, Whoa, he even ticks the Okay, in retrospect, uh, even the boxes that I fucking would have kicked him out. Mm, mm. I realized were the most important boxes of all. Oh, that you dealt with that? Yeah. The uh, most important boxes of all. The things that I feared most, the things that I desperately didn't want. Um and through no fault of his own necessarily, but in growing past those things. So you're able, they presented themselves and you were able to work through them yeah. together. Yeah, not re- not resist. Huh. Not resist. Yeah. Because he, he's a really, really good person. That's good. Are yeah. you? Um, I think, I think I am. Good. I think so. <laughs> I, I love, I love a lot. Good. I do. Yeah. I'm ki- I know I'm kind. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I know I'm difficult. But it's... Self-awareness is so important, isn't it? I, yeah, but I do. I try to do the right thing. You know, I'm, I'm cranky about doing the right thing, but I do it. Oh, really? No, I mean, like, a lot of times... I You're honest. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that I, emotionally I'm, I'm as open or... Um, as unafraid as I should be in a personal relationship, but I over I try to compensate by you know knowing I need to do good things. Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's all. And okay. then and then when it happens, when I'm open and stuff, it's like it's happening. Let's enjoy it while it's happening. Yeah. Now it's it, going away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. trust is hard, isn't it? Uh, it's really, really hard. I I think I I don't even think about it anymore as much as I just go like is it even necessary I guess it is to trust I just I don't I'm, I don't know what I I don't always know what I want out of a thing yeah no, trust is important it, it 
you can't know you can't mm. you just got to rely on like you you're in a relationship and mm. something happened th- mm. a spark yeah and then you just go you oh, go yeah. and you go along and, and i had no choice you had no choice oh really it was one of those like i was like if i don't do this i'm gonna be mad oh really i'm gonna regret it oh my god that's i was with somebody else okay and it was sort of like i got i got that's I mean, at least the decision was kind of made for you. It's heavy. In some ways, you know? Well, you know, also like I'm a child, you know, like I have no children and uh, there's no reason for me to be in anything I don't, I'm not comfortable in. So, And life is, this is it. It is it. Like what, you, you, what you're going to stay in a situation yeah. unnecessarily that is yeah, ultimately yeah, I, I lying to anybody. the other person. Yeah, I don't owe anyone my life. I think that's, I, I mean, I'm, yeah, of course it's hard, but it's, it's the right thing to do. Well, are, did your parents, are they married? Are they yes. alive? They're alive and married. So they st- they stuck in it. <gasps> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. You got good modeling on that? Yeah. They're so sweet, man. It's yeah. like they've, it gets to a point. And I feel, I feel somewhat, I can see it around the corner where you just accept shit, man. You have to, man. You, you get know, too old to keep. To, to, you got to put the shield shit. down. Got to put the sword down on some You've level. Got to, and just. Ex- just accept that it's just not the way you thought it might be. And also, it's okay. It, would be. it is okay. And a lot, of, a lot of the shit we were all worked up about doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't anymore. matter, babe. It, Isn't it that great? In the big picture, it doesn't it's matter. Fucking matter. I, I, yeah, I would just like to live my life without be, being put in a camp of some kind, if that's possible. Ooh. Sorry. Buzzkill? No, so, no, no, no. I'm just, I was just immediately thinking, what would we do? What would we do? What well, would we do? do? We'd be like, well, so who's got some good camp jokes? Yeah. What? Where were you? Where were you born? <laughs> I was born in London, on a very brief trip back to London. We were living in Zambia. My so, family. So, like, explain. See, now I don't know that I've ever. Oh, you know, I may have talked to one other person from Zambia. Has, from not from Zambia, but has roots in the uh, Yolo. How do you say his name? Yeah. Y- Yololo. David Oyelowo. Ah. Oh, thank Christ. Yes. David Oyelowo. Yes. David Oyelowo. Now, we made a movie together. He's lovely. But where's, I can't remember, we've talked about it. Where are his roots? Doesn't he come Nigeria. From, so he's Nigeria. But he comes from royalty too. Does he? I think he does. He's, Don't you? I do. I do. My mom was a princess. She is a princess. Still a princess. Well, she is, yeah. According uh, to Zimbabwean African lineages. Now, how'd your family get here? So my mom is from Zimbabwe. Yeah. And she came, she went to London. Oh, man, sweet mama. She, her whole family, her whole town saved up because she was the youngest of like eight children, but was a real little little firecracker. Uh And everyone pitched in for a one-way ticket to England when she was in her 20s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They didn't, there wasn't a lot. And the king let her go? (laughs) Her dad was no longer alive. (laughs) But let me explain about the the royal lineages there. Because it's not like one king for the whole of of Zimbabwe. Because, you know, back in the day, there were, you know, small uh, villages. And each village, each town had a royal family. Like a clan situation? Yeah, so it's like, in a way, it's, it's now like the mayor. Mm-hmm. Got it. They would call Got them it. kings and queens, but it was like mm-hmm. the mayor. So she came. She came to England to to train to be a nurse. She got her qualifications. Went straight back because that's the point. That man. is noble shit, man. Oh God! And uh, the experience she had in England was was interesting, as you can imagine. Mm. Just a lot of racism, mm-hmm. a lot of. Uh, but then went back to Zambia, where she had a 
a job in the hospital and my dad was there. He was a train he was training in the laboratory. He'd been he was interested in music back in England. He's mm. from a tiny town on the coast of England. Um, he'd never traveled anywhere further than London. Uh-huh. And back in those days, uh, Africa was encouraging people from um, England, America to come and uh-huh. bring their skills. So there was no like red tape anywhere, immigration, right. that, kind of th- that kind of stuff. Yeah. So he was there. And he. the reason he went to Africa is because he wanted to go to where the roots of the blues came from because he loved blues. Really? And he knew it wasn't America. He knew those syncopated beats were Africa. But were they from that part of Africa? I think it was probably... Senegal, maybe? I think, yeah, it was probably more west, but yeah. he wanted to go to Africa because yeah. he wanted to go to the roots That's of the blues. So, so wild. So he just got the map, uh-huh. closed his eyes, put his <laughs> finger, it was Zambia, and there he was. Uh-huh. So I am a fluke, man. That's great. Big old fluke. Did he find the roots of the blues? Your old man? Yeah, my mum, she had a black eye. Uh-huh. He fell in love with her at, uh-huh. the, at the at the party where she had this big afro and, uh-huh. and one dodgy eye, and that was the end of it. Oh, that's that's a sweet story. And then they both go back to England? Yeah. Huh. They they were only supposed to go back for a short short while, but his dad was unwell, so they ended up sticking around. So he kind of, he comes from there. Like, where did he come from? Cornwall. Like, oh, okay. So he grew up there. And, you know, that. They came from completely different worlds, cultures, environments. Mm. So no wonder it's tricky. Of course, I, to be it, to be the child of these two right. people. There is but, no place tricky for them culturally. For me, for me, right, but not with them. No, not with them. Right. It makes perfect sense with them. No, but I mean, you're okay with them. Oh my God! Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm really but, good with them. Right, but the I'm judgment that them. comes down. It was hard. I can't imagine. It was so fucking hard. My mum struggled hard to keep my brother and I protected from just the ignorance and cynicism did of you, people. Did you feel it when you were younger? Um, I, in retrospect, yeah, but I didn't have an explanation for why people didn't want to be my friend. I didn't have an explanation for why. You're a kid. Well, I mean, I guess mom could have explained it, but it wasn't, that's not what you did in those days. So you mean you always just felt, as you got older, that you just felt weird? I was just not attractive. I was, even, no matter how hard I tried, I wasn't a favorite, ever. I was always passed over. Um, You mean in school? In school, always in trouble. Oh my God, for doing fuck all. It was like, well, it was a Catholic nun's... You went to a Catholic None. school? None. It was the best school Who's, in the town. That was the idea. Whose idea was that? Well, it was the best school, the best education. And I remember, I don't remember this actually, but I feel like I do. Uh, when you've been told. Five years old and mum took me to the to the gates where Miss Wilmington, who wasn't a nun, the only nun, the only one who wasn't a nun, met us at the, at the gate and... Um, she said to my mum, mm. we're all very excited because we've never had one before. Oh, wow. So mum had to put my, my hand in her hand and walk away. And that... You were the one. That's the price she had to pay for my education. But for mum, that was... My mum had to leave home at, at five years old to go and get an education. She had your interest at heart. Oh, and, without and, a doubt. But did not quite fathom the hardships you might have... Yeah. Encountered. Yeah, but you know, she she had managed, so I guess. But like I that's would. every day, you know, wearing a, a uniform and being the only black kid in the whole school. Babe, she she braided my hair in this pretty style for the school photo, and I was sent home. 
What? You know, because it was too ghetto. Like it was inappropriate. Wow. I felt so, I felt so ashamed. Oh, and I. But also God, the the so added terrible. the added thing is is that I felt so embarrassed for her, yeah. and I almost didn't want to be the thing that goes home and goes, "You did wrong, mum." Uh, you know well, what I mean? It's of like course. Well, that's I felt we, right. It's our fault. I felt so awful. Like it. It was just. Just con- it was that constantly. That's so complicated because, like, no matter. So your your mom wasn't really explaining things to you. No, no, because she didn't take the high ground. She because we were the imposters in a way, she, and and she felt that way too. So this was. Almost- well, I, I'm, I can't say that. I mean, I can't speak for her, but in at that time, because there were so few people of color, she couldn't stand up and go, hey, all of you, you've all got it wrong. We deserve to be here. Like, it was still like we had to prove ourselves worthy mm. of being there in a way. Right. You know? Yeah. So I was a good girl, but I couldn't help myself. I was also very naughty. You know, I just was spirited and, and just used to like making people laugh nonstop. I see it in my kids and it is glorious, but yeah. with me, it was like the worst thing ever. So on top of being the other and the only one, you're, you're causing shit. Causing shit, just, yeah. you know, just funny and, yeah. and, and bright. Did people like you? I think the ones that did yeah. were the rebels. The right. ones who didn't mind other people going, you're friends with her? Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. Um, huh. Yeah, there were so many fucked up things, but my God, I feel like I've been kind of, you know, the blacksmith really worked on my on, on my soul, you know? Yeah. He bashed it, bashed it, put it in the flames, bashed it again, and I am sharp now. Right. I am fucking well, sharp. You have, what, was, what, what came at you at that point? I mean, like, you know, was it, was it violent? Was it hostile? I mean, like, or was it just sort of kid shit? Um... Kid shit. I guess mm. the most significant one, I was 12, mm. 13, and I'd, bef- we'd be- I'd become friends with this with a girl who was the most popular gir- girl in the school. By this point, by the way, I've gone to a boarding school because I was, I was really, good really- Good political move. Good political <laughs> <laughs> Instinctual. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, the most popular girl in the school. But I'll tell you why. Because, um, so I was really like, talented, started dancing, mm. which was great because I could really let rip then. Yeah. And no one was going to tell me off. So I went to this dance school from the age of like three years yeah. old. And I just kept, I was doing really good. Mm. And almost to sort of get rid of me, she's like, I think that she should, she should, she should audition for, for a proper dancing school. Oh, wow. So that was up, up in London which was hours away from where we were. And I got two scholarships That's to go. Great. My parents didn't have any dosh, but there I was. Going to the big city. Going to the big city. So I got there and, of course, no friends, only mm. black kid. But the I was used to that. The only black kid again? Yeah. What year was this? <laughs> this is, um, oh, frick. Uh, How, well, you don't have to if you don't want to. Uh, I mean, 80s, early yeah. 80s. How is that possible? 82, 83, because you had to have money, man, oh, to oh, go right. to this school. Oh, but I had right. two scholarships. Got it. I had two grants to go. Yeah. Um, anyway, and there was a girl who was the most popular girl in the school. This is in the first time that I was there. Uh-huh. Her dad was Roger Whittaker. Do you remember Roger Whittaker? I'd like to. The so. whistling guy. Oh. Speed Bonnie Bow like a bird on the wing. No, is anyway. He, is a British he was big. A he pop was, star? He was a Kenyan, white Kenyan. Oh. Huge in the 70s and okay, 80s. Okay. Huge in Canada and Germany. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But Jessica had it all. Yeah. The mansion in the sure. countryside, mm. everything. It's pretty there. Huh? And, uh, yeah. And... Over one school holiday, all the girls in our year decided to send Jessica to Coventry, which is where you don't talk to her. I mean, girls are brutal, man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And because I wasn't part of 
the you no one talked to me really. You weren't the click. No, I was on the outside. Yeah. And I remember hearing about this that they were going to do this to her when she got back to school because she was coming back a couple of days late. Why were they on her? Because she was too big for her boots. Because oh. she was just too gorgeous, yeah. too fabulous, right, had yeah. everything. Right. So collectively, they decided to just bring her down. Yeah. So she came back to the school. I remember it. She walked across the room and all the girls just turned away. Mm. And she just sashayed out. I swear to God, she sashayed out and just said, well, I don't give a fuck anyway. Mm. But I found her later crying in the toilet. Of course. In the, re- in the thing. Yeah. And she had never even looked at me, seen me, didn't give, just barely noticed me. Yeah. And I just said to her, look, these people are crap. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And so f- from being the one that she would never have spoken to, yeah. she and I became the best friends and that sisters it from then on oh she is my sister today yeah and I was the most unpopular she was the most popular and because we were both ostracized we came together and it is alchemy magic it's so um, nice that it stayed yeah because yeah, that so, could easily be one of those stories where once the other girls started liking her again see ya what's your name again no because no. she because she loved me oh, and they true. were full of shit oh. and so she her dad had this big party this is back to the 13 year old yeah. thing she has dad had this big party and Jessica was also very very popular with the boys because she was gorgeous yeah. and she kind of looked older than she was and right. all that shit yeah. and so she her dad was going to have this huge marquee party in um the in, in the holidays guy? hey the whistler guy the whistling guy okay. yeah um, to mark 50 years of his life and 25 years in the business. Uh-huh. And I was going to, I got to go. I was yeah. going to go. Yeah. And there were going to be like five boys and five girls that were allowed to go to this adult party. Yeah. And so she hooked me up with her boyfriend's best mate in this other boarding school. Mm. And we wrote to each other, me and this boy, for maybe a month or two. And I was a good little writer because yeah. I was a smart girl. Yeah. And, and I, I, I imagined how I could be confident, but I, even though I wasn't, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So we turned up at this party we'd never met mm-hmm. and he didn't talk to me. And we'd had this wonderful exchange of letters. It was on, man. Bad, he didn't talk to story. me. And then that was during the day. And then there were another couple of like little teas and, and everyone going out to play tennis and he wouldn't look at me, wouldn't talk to me. And I just gave up and thought, oh, okay, well, he, you know, obviously Gosh. doesn't like me. Although I will say that I got so fucking drunk. I was so upset by the end of the night because all the girls had, had hooked up with all the mm. boys, including the one boy that hadn't hooked up, hooked up with one of the girls who'd already hooked up with someone else rather wow. than be with me. So I was, it was, it was the worst time. It was the worst thing that could ever happen. And I thought it was because I just was not attractive because yeah. I'd always been unattractive right. all through my life. Right. Also, I thought. Right. So months later, um, maybe years later, because Jessica was too ashamed to tell me yeah. that she had found him at the party and said, what are you doing? Yeah. You and Tandy. Yeah. And he said to her, you didn't tell me she was black. Uh-huh. And what was great, Mark, was as soon as she told me that, I was like, oh, he's a dick. Oh, right. Yeah, I suppose there's something wrong with me. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so that kind of, that, it's it's been an issue. It was an issue all through my childhood, just not knowing why and having to make, the and the assumption was always, because racism wasn't, it wasn't clear to me. It hadn't been explained to me. That's that, odd. Do you, do you, did you? Have, I, did, I didn't know what it was. I honestly didn't know. It wasn't I know, until. I get it, but, I, but it is sort of like at the, in the hands of your parents, right, on some level. Yes. I mean, 
But maybe they thought it was obvious. My mum's black. I'm looking at her. There she is. But I just see she's my mum. She's beautiful. I don't look at her and think she's black. I literally didn't. She didn't look any different to anyone else to me. I guess maybe it's better to have figured it out retroactively. I think so. Yeah, as opposed to talk like because I've heard other uh, black people I've talked to that sense of constant awareness of otherness because of that. Oh, yeah. Was not the first place you went. It was just that I'm unlikable. Yes. (laughs) But if you're, I I guess it's, there's a part of me that never grew, I think, you know, as a result of that. that Right, because you were sort of living in a a lie to a degree. I just, I, I never. Stunted. I don't think I ever truly, I was never there. I was always, I didn't have a sense of myself at all, at all. It was just, can I? am I allowed to be in this room now? Or I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know who I was. I was just, it's like I was, I was nothing. Did, did it having um, a white father complicate things in the sense that like maybe you didn't see yourself completely as a, as a, in, in identity wise? No, he validated me as part of the community. Right. It's my dad. Okay. So if people don't like me, it's because I'm unlikable. But it sounds like what you're saying is that your identity wasn't tied into blackness. No. So, but but outside of that, who you are weren't you? Sure, who you were? Well, because I didn't have many friends. Yeah. Babe. No, I get I it. I yeah, didn't yeah. like. So what changed? Uh God. Well, I suppose what I was always doing was feeding my mind with literature and yeah. you know and you read a book and unless it's specifically spelt out like this person is black leather right yeah. but so i was learning about the inner workings of all of us through novels and mm. um but i and then i then i became an actress and i was more comfortable in the roles i was playing i felt free i felt relaxed which were like when you're reading and stuff which stuff really kind of like put things into perspective for perspective for you the most oh the big sweeping dramas madame bovary oh yeah uh just i guess english literature yeah yeah sure yeah sweeping stories of yeah. romance my favorite yeah, yeah, yeah. book was mill on the floss george Eliot. uh-huh you know it's actually stories of of women who who aren't understood and and who right. and who just fight for a sense of value and worth in themselves. Uh-huh. I really, uh, I think I I really um, felt a kinship sure. with that stuff. So you, when you went to the dance school, <laughs> how long did you stay there? Till I was eighteen. So you were there a couple of years. No, I was there from twelve to eighteen. So okay, so that was that's was a long a, time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I got my educate my full education. Then I went to university and read anthropology, and that was the that's anthropology. What, was that's the, what turned things no around. No kidding. Then. So, did, but oh, you yeah. chose that. You decided dance was not your future. I had an injury and I couldn't do it anymore. Oh no shit! When I was sixteen, and I thought, fuck, what am I going to do? Mm. You know, I, I dancing was everything. Yeah. I also felt really good when I was doing yeah, it. You know, because yeah, everything, yeah. all the other shit disappeared, mm. and. Um, and then this audition for a movie came along because our school was well known. You could either like study drama, you could study music, mm-hmm. you could study. And mm-hmm. even though I wasn't a drama student, I was the only black girl in the school again. Yeah. So they were like, well, they want an African looking girl. So just go along for the day. Yeah. It's your and lucky day, black girl. It, yeah. 
yeah. Lucky day. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. Kind of. Today's your big day. Big day. Go yeah. and pretend yeah. to be a drama student. Uh, and because I, I guess I probably felt a bit like you do yeah. as an actor. It's like, am I really an actor? Well, yeah, you know, I, well, yeah. You just sort of. But you really had not prepared for it. No, no, yeah. and I didn't care. And yeah. I think it was that, like, because it didn't matter if I ha- if I got it or not. Uh-huh. The the good thing had already happened, which is oh. I had a, I had a free trip to London. That's great. Went to a fancy hotel to meet this this director. Okay. And I took a little bit of direction, and he said because I did it really badly because I didn't know what acting was. I assumed you had to just. It was for a movie. Yeah, it was for a movie. Hmm. And I assumed you had to sort of speak like this. And and he was just flabbergasted by how shit it was. Uh And then he gave me a bit of direction, which was basically, you know, just convince me that everything you're saying is occurring to you just in this moment. And I said, oh, you want me to lie? And he went away for a few minutes, let me prepare, came back, and it was a whole new deal because, my God, I could lie well. Because I'd kind of had to. I'd had to for a long time. For why? Why Well, when I was a kid, it's like, are you feeling comfortable in this situation? Totally, yes. Not at all. Oh, right, right. You know, right, right, right. Um, yeah. Also, when you're a troublemaker, you gotta buy it first. <laughs> a lot, yeah. <laughs> I didn't do it. So that was that. That was but that. That's sort of what it is, isn't it? It's I've I said that once before, where it's like, if you've ever had to lie to save your ass, mm. and you pulled it off, mm. you're you're probably an okay actor. I think, yeah, <laughs> definitely. In fact, yeah. If you had to lie to get away with some shit, but it's also it's like you're winning the game. Uh, you know, if you can convince someone of something, yeah. it's fun. It's a game. It's t- just like being a kid. Well, I don't like it's like I understand some people get off on that, and there are people that do. I've always been impressed with people that do broader characters or really immerse themselves oh, in yeah. characters to, to sort of fuck with people. I've never had the, the, the sort of heart for that. I can't do that. To, I don't like doing that to people. No, well, I guess you've come at it. You've only been acting, you know, a decade, you know, I really love that. I love it. I played Condoleezza Rice once. I know. I saw that in W. Yeah. So did you get the part? Oh, yes, I did. It was a movie called Flirting. It was in Australia with. I remember that movie. That was a big movie. Nicole Kidman. Yes. That was like her big movie, too, when she was a kid. Well, no. Nicole Kidman was a big star already. Was she? Well, she was a big star in Australia. Right. And Naomi Watts. But yeah, yeah. It, it was a um, big deal. That's a big deal. It was I a do. big deal. But it could have been just a, an episode of a TV show. I was thrilled to be there. So excited. Um, and Where does the anthropology come in? I went to Cambridge to study anthropology after. I finished that movie. Oh, because I've got an African mother, okay? Oh, so she wasn't So for her, education is like, go. education will save you from certain death mm, right gotta go and so there I, I made this film which was a big sidestep from the dancing which my parents had but it's a celebrated movie that. right i mean it, it, it was it, it was good well, yeah it did good but in the meantime i still i wasn't going to dance mm-hmm. i wasn't gonna i wanted to be a dancer that wasn't gonna happen because of my injury so yeah. i just just while i was sort of trying to figure out what i was going to do next i went back to school got my a levels and then applied for cambridge and i got in it's a big deal cambridge it's a big. It is a big deal, and so it should be. It's really, really impressive. Yeah, and I, I, don't have and no I got sense to study it. anthropology, which I is oh, for four years. You did uh, three, mm. and I still study it. So why would you choose that? Because I knew that I wanted to be an actor. And really, that was the reason. 
I knew no, not for, not because of anthropology. I knew I wanted to be. I knew what I wanted to do. So yeah. I, I wasn't studying something in order to be something oh, like, like a okay. doctor so or it was a like, lawyer. I'm interested in it. So it's like, what can I do that's just gonna yeah. just gonna expand my mind? Mm, dig it. Um, and it sounded really cool. I yeah. also was aware that I was pretty disconnected from my African heritage, and of course, with anthropology. Africa is a huge part of what we study. Everything comes from there. It does indeed. Right. Mitochondrial Eve. Yeah. Um, and it just seemed like a really nice way to spend three years while I was figuring out, while I was just getting old enough to to, to be a person. So in you're the like world. 18, 19? I w- when I went to uni, I was 18. Yeah. So, so you had, you, you needed your mind to be blown. It was blown. Okay. So listen to this. Yeah. I go into, for, I go for my meeting for Cambridge. Mm-hmm. And, I she asks me the question, how do you determine race? What what would be the factor that you would This is in the interview. This is in my interview. Yeah. And I thought for a second and I said, skin color. Mm-hmm. And she said, hmm. So that's bio- biology then. Uh, uh yeah. And she said, Well that's that's interesting because there is more biological difference between a black Kenyan and a black Ugandan than there is between a black Kenyan and a pale-skinned white Swiss person. Because people have been in Africa for so much longer, the gene pool has has been changing for so long that there's actually more variation between people with black, with dark skin than there is between a dark-skinned person and a pale-skinned person. So in terms of biology, race is a complete made-up illusion. Huh. In terms of black, white being... It, you are less different from each other if you are white and black than if you're both black. Wow, so that's day one. That's the interview. That was the interview. My mind was like, yeah, it was blown. And because it was so blown, and I'm sitting there and I'm a, in quotes, black person, she's like, you need to come here and you need to learn some stuff (laughs) and take it out into the world. Uh Uh-huh. And yeah, it gave me a a sense of place, which is everywhere. Yeah. And and, a... an ease and a calm. Uh, I felt so. I, I just all the the. It's like it takes you from being on the ground, surrounded by the shit, to a bird's eye view where you can just see the patterns everywhere of why right. of yeah, why all we of a sudden you have of uh, why we do what we do as right. a humanity. And you look at over history, and, and you know history with anthropology is talking like. 300,000 years sure. and you just see these patterns that, that pe- people fall humans fall into isn't it nice like you get a worldview that you can integrate into your personality kind of yeah. I just I, I mean I accept things way quicker yeah as soon as I was but like if you have a context that works you know so you know you can you know, do right for yourself and right for others mm. you know and but also see the the expanse of it yes it's it's amazing you know yeah, and i and went I, from feeling like i didn't belong anywhere to i literally belong yeah everywhere i am of the world every and all of us are yeah you know well that's that's it was the message. magical <laughs> magical and then there i was as an actress playing people from all over the world kind mm. of you mm-hmm. know although that's all changed because there's a lot of specificity now 
people want to like if you're if you're if there's a movie with where the lead is trans you've got to be trans if there's a movie where the person's brazilian you've got to be brazilian yes it but, makes sense to but me. people want to see themselves on screen because I mean, screen yeah. is so important right right that there's a there like if you're not represented then there's nothing to reflect for your importance people. it's yeah. like you're not relevant Right, and so you're you're trying to adjust and adapt and become something that you're not because you don't know the other way or how a person like you exists in the world. Yeah, dig it. Yeah, yeah. yeah so like I, I guess you know I what it's it. like. I, it's like someone sees themselves on the news in the background of a of a reporter, and they show all their friends for weeks. Yeah, no, I, I, look I, at me. I was on there because they feel that they're validated yeah that i guess that's like one yeah that's a, a I, I i can see that right that's an exciting thing i'm on tv yeah so you want but, you but to, that's me on tv like you gotta watch i was on the news but to see somebody who's like you who, with a cultural background who's like or, or, you. or has the same yes sort of uh, you don't want to see yourself being played by someone who isn't you but who gets to be you because they're more important than you Right, and also you'd like to see, you know, you represented, period. I mean, yes. it's like, you know, being played is one thing. Yeah, there, there was a long period of time where there, just, there was no representation at all. At no, all. No one was playing anybody. No. Yeah. It was just one type of person yeah, that I, was allowed to get up there. I think that, like, not long ago, that did I really put that together because of Gina Davis's movie and, and that movie that she helped produce. Uh, about the directors in Hollywood and about, you know, she did, she's part of this documentary where she just, you know, realized that, you know, little girls aren't, they're only represented in very specific ways hmm. when they're younger. Oh, I don't know. That so that how are they going to, oh, I'll show, I'll show it to you after. Hmm. So how are they going to model themselves? What are they going to model themselves after? How can they have any hope then, then to be anything other than this small, you know, myopic, you know, these, these very few choices mm. about modeling themselves when mm. men and little boys have the whole world mm. and girls are like, you can be a ballerina or, mm. you, you know, mm. and I, and I, it's so true. Well, it, it takes into consideration. Yeah. The power oh, of so true. the medium and of entertainment and of, Absolutely. You know, what, and how much it dictates our lives. And mm. it's like when you really kind of like, not that unlike that moment you had when you got anthropology in your head, there's that moment where you realize, Oh my God. This is a fucking travesty. Yes. <laughs> and I could have gone through my whole life thinking mm. that. Yeah. You know, sure. we, we need to, there's, there's a- Got to have your mind blown. There are really important things to learn. Right now, like specifically because we're up against some real uh, fascistic shit yeah. on a global- Which relies on ignorance. Sure. And, and, and promotes ignorance and mm -hmm. promotes misinformation. Mm. But, you know, it's a global trend, you know, and, and you know, whatever progress we've made as humans- you, you know, uh, it's not it's it's tentative in the face of that might of uh, ignorance, you know. Yeah. So there's a real fight to be fought. Like even with the, the stuff ab ab around being woke and around women, like, you know, I talked to Eve Ansor. I know who's a dear, dear friend of mine. Yeah, I love her. I'm, I'm on the board of V-Day with Eve. Oh, yeah. I'm actually that was another my mind was blown because I met Eve when I was 21. Oh, wow. And I saw her performing. She was on a world tour of the Vagina Monologues. Mm -hmm. And she was performing at this pub in Islington in London. Wow. And I went along. A friend of mine had said, you, Were you at Cambridge uh, at the time? Or just, just finished. Okay. So you just finished and, and you were like going to go back to acting. I was still acting. Yeah. That's how I was told about Eve is that my- Did you my, act at Cambridge as well? Oh, all the way through. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, always, I was always on the motorway going up to London to get on a plane to go and make. I made five movies when I was at Cambridge. It was nuts. Okay, it was nutty. Okay, 
So I met Eve, yeah. and, and my life was turned around. Yeah, yeah. How so? Um, she. Well, first of all, just hearing her on stage, yeah. just the, the experiences of of women that she'd obviously met and right. interviewed, and the, just the, the taboo nature of everything that she was saying, and and how that was opening people up to feeling that they weren't the only ones, mm. you know, who didn't, who were ashamed of their bodies, who'd been sexually abused, and. Um, and I spoke to her afterwards, and within minutes I was talking about my own sexual abuse. And she was smiling at me and proud of me, and I didn't feel ashamed. And she took shame away from my experience just by encountering me. Just by listening empathetically. Just by listening to me and saying, rather than making me feel like a victim, mm. I was a survivor. And I was radiant in that in that. And also so very not alone. So very not alone. And so she and I became friends and I start and because I was an actress at that point, I was already I was twenty one. I was I'd been in a few movies, I was on the rise. So you did you did um like Jefferson and Paris interview yes. with a vampire yes. when you were at Cambridge? Yes. No kidding. Yeah. Playing the Jefferson in Paris, the, Sally Hemings character is a, is a, oh like my a God. hell of a bit of business. Here. And you know what? At that time, there was no DNA to support the fact, the truth of that. That happened after the movie, you know. So we were speculating. Um, but I mean, to 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 go to the house of Thomas Jefferson and be served your lunch by mm. young men who looked exactly like Thomas Jefferson, who were Sally Hemings' children, wow. yeah. like what? It's it's. Uh, mind-blowing isn't yeah, it yeah yeah it was I, America has come a long way yeah it's come too 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 long to go back it's come a long long way it's so, inspiring really so yeah when I spoke to Eve you know there was a definitely a, a, a period you know the, that engagement with her and I was I you know I was sort of in awe of her to begin with oh, but her that book, it, the, the, book, the apology is just oh my god man. it's a revelation come on it's a whole new way of thinking a whole new way of claiming your freedom it was something else You're like right? I and I just read it on, on a whim because I get mm. a lot of stuff sent to me and I'm you like, knew and I'm like I gotta tell you you knew I'm yeah. so glad you guys spoke because you you encountered her so beautifully you were so open but you allowed the book to really yeah. challenge you yeah, yeah, um yeah. and and obviously that is of course because eve is so ready to accept a new way of thinking she's so open you know she's yeah she's great and i i just i used to see her around new york i've always hmm. really was I, there's certain people in your life that you don't know when it's going to happen or how but you you need to you need to be with them yeah <laughs> Yeah, for a minute or two. Yeah, and you got and you got to, and you had such a great conversation. Yeah, yeah. But she's like, I I was emailing her just this morning. I love Eve. She's extraordinary, and we do a lot of great work together. Yeah, she does great work. Yeah, which which organization? V Day. Right. So I'm on the board of V Day, and Congo's um, heavy, man. It is, but my God, to go there and see what with so little. These people, these women, are achieving in their lives, oh, and great. and they they've come back from the dead, in psychologically and emotionally. They were destroyed by the the violence, the the, the sexual violence yeah. that they've experienced, and it's a, a, rape is a weapon of war. Mm -hmm. And to have the realization, because Eve went to Congo, um, after this is the vagina monologues to 
completely dictated Eve's life. Mm-hmm. It, that that's she's just followed where she you know where the uh-huh. call is, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and she found she didn't even want to go to Congo because she knew it was going to just take over and be, and it's the epicenter of the worst that can happen to a woman. Uh-huh. Uh, it's the worst place in the world to be a woman. Yeah. I've heard, I've read once. Have and, you gone? Yeah. Mm. She asked. So she went. She went, and there's a, an amazing gynecologist called Dr. Mukwege, yeah. who won the Nobel Prize two years ago, um, who he physically heals women. There are two hospitals huh. in the whole of Congo where if you can get there, yeah. they will they will surgically try and put you back together. Oh, Most women don't geez. survive. But she, How does this, like, this is, like... It, it's this called is, the Pansy Hospital. But His this hospital. is ongoing, this assault? Oh, love. In terms of... of oh. it, in, and it's... It, what is the social structure around it? Well, within Congo, Congo is huge and is obviously neigh- m- many neighboring countries. I know that she are probably going, told me this stuff. No, no, no I don't, not when I heard yeah. your thing. But, oh. um, and neighboring countries which are going through their own conflict. And yeah. Congo is not like the borders aren't well sort of policed. Yeah. So you, you just militias go in from other places. Congo is very rich with resources. So very quickly they can gain enough um, money to then buy more weapons and leave. But the way they get the money is by mining for minerals. And you go to an area and there's no roads. So you can be hidden mm. in forests and different militia at any one time. There's, you know, 20 militia, different militia mm-hmm. fighting different mm-hmm. wars within Congo, right. rearming to get out. And they they use the, the local people to mine. But in order to do that, you have to, it's kind of slave labor. And the Got way to, to control an environment is to abuse the women yeah. and have the men unable to help the women mm-hmm. and have the children witness all of that happening. And then those male children are taken away and told that what's happened to their family, their mothers and sisters raped and their fathers murdered, the people that did this, we're going to go get them. And then they're trained up to be boy soldiers. And this is systematic. And it works. Hmm. And it's free. Yeah. You know, you, don't, right. you can destroy an entire community and you don't even need any, you don't need finances to do it. You just... Wow. Um, so when Eve went to Congo and met Dr. McQuaggy, who has, you know... <sighs> surgically managed to heal many, many, many women. She said, what do we do? What can I help? How can I help? Mm -hmm. Um, And he said, well, women, I can physically heal women, but it's their minds and their hearts Mm -hmm. and their spirits that I can't. Mm. So that's why she developed with women in Congo, with survivors from Pansy. She said, what are we going to do? It's called Pansy? Pansy Hospital is where Dr. McQuaggy works. And um, so they said, we need a safe space where we can be together and not feel ashamed and get strong enough so we can go back to our communities who have rejected us and 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 be proud and, and survive. So within, it's called the City of Joy, named by the women themselves. That's what they wanted it to be called. And it teaches them self-defense, how to use a computer, how to have a bank account, um, group therapy, all the things that are going to give you the mental and emotional confidence to be a leader 
And we've had now six years of graduates because you can be there for six months. And you have to have leadership potential to go there. That's the other thing. But within six months, these women have left. There's a documentary about it on Netflix called City of Joy, which charts the the growth of the, of well, about Dr. McQuaggie, his meeting with Eve, and it charts the nine years um, to the City of Joy. And it's flourishing. It's amazing. And it is, we need Congo. All forty percent of of minerals that are used in in electronics goods come from there, and that's what these different militia are using as as you know to, to sell to get money for their arms. Yeah. So it is a system which has been in place for over fifteen years, yeah. and it's not known by most people. Uh-huh. So that's where I go. Yeah. On my time off. You do. Yeah. Get to get to the city of joy, hang out with my friends. Just to sit down and say to a woman who has been devastated by sexual violence to say, I was sexually abused too. They can't believe it. Uh-huh. You were sexually abused, but you're from over there. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Power is the, you know, the, the, the corruption of, and, and power is the same everywhere. Yeah. And just to, for them to feel like there's someone from over there. Sure, that it's there's, a global thing. Yeah, and that's going to maybe right. try and help. Right. But well, what I get back to is... What happened to me, Mark, is nothing. I don't give a shit. It helped me be here now. Yeah. And I would not have met Eve. I would not have helped these women that I know, Jane and all, Christine and and all, yeah. all of them. Sure, right. It changed the way you saw yourself in the world. And- I have a purpose, which is so much bigger than, than anything I could ever have imagined. Because of trauma. Because of my trauma. What happened? Um... I was, uh, and the reason I pause is because you don't have to tell me. You no, know, it's not because it's because it's prehistory. Sure. Because because it, I don't give a fuck about that person. Yeah. Um, and the person. Oh, the person. I that, don't give a fuck about them. I, I was, I was a virgin, and I was, I was. It was statutory rape. Um, uh, the director that I was working with, um, well, that I that had hired me when I was sixteen, mm. and uh, I. Not the guy who directed flirting. Yes. Oh. Um, but and it was a it was a, a bleak time. Those ten years, I was robbed of a lot. But again, in in talking about even when you were younger, around being different, how how long did it take you to frame it properly? Oh my goodness! I mean, like what? What? Because I was the perfect victim, love. I was so I had so such low self esteem. I had no sense of self. I it was all about. I I absolutely bowed down to authority completely because it gave me permission to just be. And also, you there. wanted to be part of this thing. Yeah, I mean, also it was a movie. That's like fantasy land. So was it a negotiation? What do you mean? Did did he ask you to do something to be in the movie? No, no, I was happily doing the movie. My yeah. dad, it was in Australia. My dad was with me, bless his heart, as my um, uh, chaperone. Mm-hmm. My dad got super bored because yeah. <laughs> I was having a nice time. Yeah. I was 16, like, whoa, this is amazing. Yeah, you're in a movie. And uh, after a month, my dad just thought I was having a great time. I was a teenager. Yeah. And he said, look, I'm going to head back home. You're clearly okay. And he actually got the the director promised that well to my dad i found out later that he would take care of me uh-huh. and he said you know i'll 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 look after tandy i'll take her out for dinner the mm. night you leave to mm. make her feel and that was right. that was the night really yeah 
Fuck, man. Yeah, pretty pretty rough. And went on for a long time. Past the shooting of the movie? Oh, yeah. Huh. Because it was it was a mind control too because I'd never had sex. Yeah. And it's a mind fucker. I it was like this is what it is. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. Um and even if I felt uncomfortable, which I really did, and afraid, which I really did, I thought that's what you did feel when I thought that's what yeah, that's it, the way it was supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, to be afraid right, and right. to feel a bit uncomfortable. You know, it's so taboo. No one fucking talks about it. Mm. So, okay, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. And it was when I was, as time went on, I was feeling more and more, it, I, it, it, it was clearly not pleasure. And I, um, and the fact that it was secret too, I was asked to keep it a secret. Really? For the whole time? Yeah. Well, for two years, yeah. certainly. And then um, I started, I was very un- unwell. Mm. I was, I had a terrible eating disorder. I, oh. I had a lot of shame and I didn't really understand why. I just knew I was killing myself. There was something. And I, I left that situation. Like I said, I, this has to stop because I just, I was having really bad physical, like, symptoms after... Um, around the food and stuff yeah but just like the, the feeling of my it was just I wanted my body to disappear I, I just felt gross um, but I but I couldn't blame that person I had to blame myself for that feeling it's like I didn't even know why I was doing anything well yeah well, you. it that, was just like instruction do it instruction and I came from a, it was a movie I was in a fucking school uniform in that movie I played a schoolgirl. it's yeah. like you do what your teacher tells you I mean I can't but also you had that, the, it was sort of from you were when you were younger too, you had this kind of, I, who am I, you know, yeah. thing. That, and also very powerful figure. Yeah. And and I was getting the attention. Yeah. That's that's a lot. I had powerful figures that were just fucking, couldn't wait to get rid of me. Because I, that, yeah, and the, you know, up, as a child. Pain in the ass, yeah. Well, because I was, yeah, I was yeah. black, pain in the ass. But um, the, um, but... And the, you think the eating disorder d- definitely manifested from that. Trauma. Oh my God, yeah. I mean, physically, the shame. This just wanting to just like literally disappear and get my just get yeah. to vomit out yeah. the the feeling, the wow. shame. And so I, I went. I went to a therapist. I actually called my the girl, my my girlfriend. I told you about who yeah. I met when I was a child. Sure, yeah, Jessica. I yeah. called her one night, and I thought I was going to die. My heart was being so hard in my chest, and I was so thin, and I was so scared. And I called and I said, I'm frightened and this is what's been happening. And so I went to a therapist for the first time. And within minutes, this therapist had connected my shame and eating to being sexually abused. Hmm. And I just didn't have the knowledge. And it, of course, the following day, I Hmm. stopped hurting myself physically. Really? The following day. Because you're very open to having your mind blown and it it did it did and you're like it was just an explanation right it was an explanation so yeah and then then i you know got my life back a lot over over time it damaged my family horribly this this whole experience because my dad left that day oh so he felt responsible oh shit and my mom hadn't been there and the reason my mom hadn't been there is because she thought no one would take us seriously because there's a lot of internalized racism my poor mother. Mm. You know, you don't grow up in a colonial in colonial Africa, you know, without <laughs> thinking that you really are 
nothing. Even if you're a princess. Oh, well, because they just, the colonialists disbanded all the royal lineages. Yeah. They stopped people from being able to even mention them. Yeah. You were no longer a queen. You were no longer a princess. They did the same things as Congolese right. rapists did, yes. only mentally. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's the way it works. It's a thorny, thorny. And also what this guy did to you on some level. And you know what else, Mark? <laughs> what I've also realized more recently is, and it was, I was reminded by it when I was watching the R. Kelly um, the documentary about the girls, they kept repeatedly saying, we're, we're black girls, no one's going to listen to us anyway. Mm. And there was an element of that in, in this, in that no one was going to listen to me. Yeah, I was the perfect victim. Like, well, not only am I a little girl, I'm black, and like it's the kind of hy- hyper-sexualized objectification of the black girl. Yeah. But also it's the, and I can do what I want to you and no one's going to ever know about it because no one's going to listen to you anyway. Yeah. And how times have changed. Right. And what did, now you were, but this happened long before what's going on now. Oh yeah, but I talked about it a lot. <laughs> Early on. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. as soon as I went to therapy, yeah. I, I came out like, right, this cannot happen to another little girl. I Pu- was Publicly. Uh, yes. Yeah. And I, I, I would... And I could see it happening everywhere. And it was also happening to me, not as badly, but because I would, as soon as I got a whiff of it, I'm like, fuck you. I had like casting couch bullshit and I would call it out and other actresses would. Unfortunately, I was ostracized not only by the people preying on young women, because I was obviously not someone who was going to, you know, roll over right but um also people who just kind of like went along with things just because that's how you get ahead so don't rock the boat so they also wanted to sort of not be associated with me too i had a publicist a very well-known publicist Mm -hmm. who who represented me at the time who called me up one day and said tan you've got to stop talking about this stuff because it's just not good for your reputation systemic well because it wasn't good for my reputation i well (laughs) It really to be, wasn't to be the one going, this industry is disgusting. This is what happened. This happened to me. So look out, people. But you were ahead of it. Yeah. And it, so do you, do, do you feel that it did have a direct impact on what your career could have been? Or yeah, did- for sure. I remember not wanting to do a movie because the director said to me, the first shot is going to be this tight close-up. It's going to look like a, a, a deep blue road, right, with like the, the yellow stripes going down the road, you know, in the mid- and we're going to pull back and realize that it's the, it's the denim of your, of your jeans and the stitching so tight on your ass. Yeah. And it was a massive movie. And I'm like, nope. Yeah. And literally that movie would have turned me into a major star. I remember it. Yeah, I was like, can't I just can't I just can't work with that? That's horrible, and it was, it, and then it was not with any kind of yeah. like pride. It right. was, it was just fear. Like I just can't. And also, you know, the realization that you reclaimed yourself. So why would you give that up? I couldn't. I, like it was. Right. I, I literally couldn't. Right. It would be like vomiting again. Right. Right. Couldn't do it. Can't You're go not back. Not worth there. living with that. It, well, because I knew that it was life or death. Hmm. Life or death to be really ba- well to be back in an environment. Being back in the shame. To be back in the shame. Life mm. or death. Life or death. And when did you turn a corner around? <laughs> you know, being regrounded in in your career. You know, my career was always like I. What would happen then, of course, is that I would find myself working with people who weren't like that. 
Right. So even though I there's I've, plenty I, of them. Yeah, I and even though I may not have been earning as much as I could have been, yeah, I was working on kind of cool stuff, yeah. which didn't like make me rocket to that place. Which right. unfortunately, and I felt terrible about that, by the way, that I said no to a project that would have I, my manager and my agent were both shouting at me, saying, "What, what are you, movie? What? Are you, I can't think. Why I mean, can't? Well, because I just you didn't can't. even say that anything bad about that guy really, other than he wanted to shoot a picture no, but, of your but, ass. But, but people, oh, oh. people worked hard on it, you yeah, know. Yeah. And and it, did it? Was it a big movie? Mm. Yeah, and yeah. So I've I chipped away, but I I actually think that in in the long run, it's better to just cruise along on good stuff than to have the highs, because you can crash so far from and those also, high you places. Know, who the hell knows? You could have become a monster. Yes. Right. Uh, well, I would have. I could have. I could have become a stupid, self-absorbed. Um, uh, unempathic person. Right. It just seems like you know whatever the trajectory of your life has been, that you, you know, sort of, you you met the right man. You got a beautiful family. Mm. You work all the time. Mm. You don't have the pressure of being some sort of strange, you know, movie star, mm. which is not great. No, <laughs> no. You know, you better. I, I get to have a real life. Yeah, and I get to help people that I really well everybody's deserving of help and I get to do that with quite a few people and, and in, 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 a, in a real in an honest way not as a way oh no to, it's not like an accessory or, or just sort of like I've got to do something to to make, make myself feel better right. no 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 it's none of that it right. saved my life it yeah. saved my life that's a beautiful thing and I've got these two daughters who are dope they are so they don't even realize it because it's just been this invisible nurturing and invisible information how old are they 19 and 15 so how did you deal with the you know some of the conversations that you would have liked to have had with your parents that didn't happen with them what I, did you I had the conversations oh you did i talk about <laughs> i talk about what happened they've seen me uh -huh. give talks they've seen they've not read interviews but i'm very open about it i'm not ashamed of uh -huh. what happened because it's not my shame on all levels you mean you know, the, your childhood experience and the sexual abuse. oh yeah right absolutely and did you do a talk I did a, talk, a TED talk actually, oh, you did, okay, not did, about did. sexual abuse, but about uh, I guess the r being on the other side of racial uh, hatred. I guess, mm. um, and they, my daughter, my fifteen-year-old is an actress now. I mean, it's so not what I kind of. Yeah. It wasn't like I didn't create any opportunities for her. Quite the opposite. Yeah. But it's happened, and uh -huh. to see her on set, to yeah. see her in a photo shoot to see her be so gracious and yet have absolute self-awareness uh -huh. and to you know it's not like she's afraid because mummy's like talked about these monsters that are out there because i've actually humanized the people that have done what they've done you know because it, nothing because they are human Bec well and also because <sighs> trauma begets trauma begets trauma unless you interrupt that cycle yeah. you know and the the girls are their eyes are wide open. Um, they're kind, but they are they question authority at every turn. Yeah, that's a big one for me. Yeah, um, is is to you know to make sure that you have given permission for that authority to, and to be you, in place. And you uh, provided them the ability to develop a sense of self. Oh, utterly. That's good.
Yeah, I'm proud. You've broken the, the pattern. Yeah, and I thank my mother for that too because she did the absolute best. Oh, she did so great. She did the best that she could. And I and my dad too. You I know? think that's some, but I think it's very interesting that kind of, because even like from what I understand about the character that you do now, even even in Westworld, that you have a a robot who is <laughs> realizing her situation and pushes back against her programming. It's basically my story. <laughs> yeah, and your mother's story, babe. That first season was uh, everything. I had no idea that I was so well equipped to play that experience. It was like the perfect metaphor mm. for. I mean, look, it, it could be the perfect metaphor for a lot of people, not just women. Right. You know, but to inhabit that, it's like it gave me com- complete closure. It oh, so that's sealed what, off. No kidding. So the experience of, in, of playing immersing that yourself character, in that. Because it was a beginning, a middle, and an end. She went from creating the trauma. You know, she was the madam of the saloon, getting mm-hmm. these girls to be raped and, just, you know, gross. And then to have the awareness and then to educate herself in order to break free, not just from the park, but to free herself from her ideas about herself and, 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 and others and morality and so on. Mm. And then to say no. And to then the second season is I would rather die, which is that crash moment too, sure. the movie. I would rather and, oh, die. Oh, you in crash. Yeah, with, with I would. Matt Dillon. Yeah, I would rather die than have you dominate me in any way, even to save my life. I guess, like, the, I guess the question, like, in terms of talking about humanizing monsters, yes, is that yes, you know, is is that moment where he because it can be viewed as as him not changing at all and and actually again being in a position of power, mm-hmm. or you know, as a policeman doing his the duty of helping somebody in this particular situation, even though he violated you in another situation. Like, it's a complicated bit of business. It is, and I think ultimately the story, what the story is saying and is trying to portray is that even someone who does something awful can, awful can be redeemable if they truly understand the nature of what they've done, which is Eve's book, The Apology, <sighs> right? But that guy never really did. No, she he, had he to, died. Right, she had to create that guy from her own heart the, oh, yeah. that fucking that book is insane. It's insane. It is insane. But, but you know what? We can we can we can heal ourselves. We yeah. don't we don't have to hurt the person that's hurt us. That's right. You and know? we don't have to we don't have to continue the pattern. No, we don't. And that's that's really incredibly sophisticated. You know. And so it, we have these brains. We're, we're not. We're not simple mammals, you know. No, I th- yeah, we're not uh, we, monkeys or dogs. No, we can, <laughs> make, we can make love choices. them, as love them as we do. Yes, but we um, can make we choices. We can, and, and so it's, it's on us to, to, go, f- to go further yeah. with, with making things better. Uh, thank you for talking to me. It's been amazing. Good. Talking to you. You like the coffee? Thank you. Yeah, I finished it. Oh, good. All right. So now when I turn the mics off, you're going to tell me the name of the movie. Okay. And But no, <laughs> I'm so glad you came. Thank you, Mark. I'm glad I came too. Candy Newton, the lovely, charming, smart, engaged, 
Tandy Newton. The new season of Westworld is on HBO Sunday nights and on HBO streaming platforms. My special, End Times Fun, is uh, is on uh, Netflix. Globally. Streaming around the world. Okay? All right. I will now play my dirty old guitar, my 1960 Les Paul Jr., through a 1953 Fender Deluxe amp, through a MXR Echoplex, which is a updated version of the original that doesn't use analog tape. This is a meditation, almost Spaceman 3 type meditation in two chords. Thank you. 